Welcome to episode 45 of The Blathering. I don't know. Does it really even matter? I don't I don't care. I don't know. Hi, everybody. I'm Ken Napsock. And, uh, you know, it's one of those episodes. I think this uh, show is uh, uh, good for me to have. To, to, to kind of talk open and honestly about things going on. And sometimes it's funny, silly stuff. Sometimes it's serious stuff. And we, we discussed that last week. So uh, thank you all who have been enjoying uh, joining The Blathering, uh, uh, whether it's in the podcast form on the Napsock Network or on the video form, which is currently available on my Patreon page, sign up and get to see my face. Though, you know, that's not much of a treat. But uh, that said, uh, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's a time to, I, I just got to talk for, about what's going on in my heart. Stumble through it, bumble through it, say an ah, an um, and a but, I don't care. Uh, here's where we're really at. Uh, we've had two um, major incidents of, of gun violence here in California in the last couple of days. And I say, you know, major because there's always going to be some that are uh, under the radar, some that are just seem to be part of the normal cycle of life. But unfortunately, I think we all could agree that these uh, larger scale shootings, larger scale acts of, of hate and violence and, and pain and suffering are, are also the norm as well. I think we kind of all know the pattern. And sometimes here in the blathering in the past when the show was Patreon only, I, I've become uh, gone on here and become a little angry. I got ready for a fight. Uh, the the overturning of uh, Roe v. Wade was kind of the one that really kicked off a lot of uh, um, stronger feelings for me in podcast form. I, I always kind of, uh, and I still think it's valuable as a broadcaster to choose how you say it. And I don't want to be an angry, bearded guy in a beanie in front of a microphone. Uh, for me in a dimly lit room and other people, uh, I like broadcasting from a dimly lit studio. It's kind of the vibe of this show, but um, I just don't want to be that. No matter what I'm saying or what quote-unquote side I'm on, I, I, I want to be careful of that. I'm, I'm tossing phones here in my studio. I'm sipping drinks. Mm. I'm just all that to kind of just continue to keep the show pouring out from my heart. I would love to do an episode that's just a, a, serial, a serious and a nuanced uh, look at uh, – gun issues and gun violence and, and gun control. Um, but this isn't the place. This isn't the time. I really sit down uh, and just do these shows by pressing record. I don't have a lot of notes in front of me. I don't have any notes in front of me. I don't have any, uh, all the stats to back up, but the stats I'll throw at you and the stats you'll throw at me. And that's just kind of part of where I'm at. I'm kind of done with all that, but that stuff needs to happen. And I do believe there needs to be those uh, conversations. I always say the term nuanced, and I, I'm starting to become snarky about that term. That term is starting to become one of those blanket terms that covers a lot of things and not always accurately. Or it's not yet, I don't think, a, a word that's used against its true meaning. Woke is that word I've mentioned before in the show. Oh, what are you, woke, man? Like, what, what do you mean, I have empathy for other people? Yes, fucker, I'm woke. Like, but that word, woke, has just become this Trigger catchphrase, bushel of fire to toss around. Nuance is that a little bit for me, because it 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 covers up too much, too much of allowing uh, uh, thoughts and destructive policies and and destructive people to continue to uh, push their agendas. And this isn't the podcast for it. I didn't know where I was going to go with this. I just knew I wanted to talk about it. It's hard not to talk about it. We had the Monterey Park shooting, 11 dead, not counting the shooter. 
Uh, then we had the Half Moon Bay. I believe the sets are seven dead, shooter in custody. And we all know the cycle by now. We'll have your thoughts and prayers, crew, which is an absolute waste of words. I used to appreciate the sentiment because what else are you going to say? Like, I'm, I'm a much love guy. Like, you'll see a lot. If someone's going through something, I'll, I'll put a comment. Hey, much love. That it's it's I don't mean to catchphrase it and just be eh, I'm just going to toss this, but it's like it's the only thing I know to say. I used to look at thoughts and prayers as that, but those words started to take on a, a meaning uh, that uh, was far from the the intention and and not in a good way, not in like when I when the example I gave with, with woke. It, it's just thoughts and prayers are so meaningless. It was just such a catchphrase. But I'm not here to have that conversation. I'm not here to have a, a conversation about gun control. I'll tell you where I'm at at it. I'm I'm not personally af- afraid of guns, and that I don't mean to insult anyone who would say, "Oh, I'm afraid of guns." This is not what I mean. But I have been around guns. I have not owned one, but my old job, security director, surrounded by people. Uh, off-duty police officers who worked with me and underneath me and for me, uh, armed uh, guards, My uh, when I was the assistant director, most of my directors were retired police officers and, and were armed. And a lot of the, the friends in that group had weapons. I, I don't have a, a reaction to the weapons that's, ah, get it out of here, or I'm nervous or anything like that. Some people do. I'm here to be respectful of that. That said, I, I, it leads me to my thought of, I, I don't mind the idea of people owning weapons. I personally believe in a uh, federal ban of weapons of a certain type. You want to say assault rifles, assault weapons, all uh, the spoon in my uh, kitchen right now that I just used to serve myself applesauce could be an assault weapon if used properly. Uh, so a lot of people, I love when some people like, like that term AR-15, which is, 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 is a name brand, right? And it's not assault rifle 15. I know that. So no one gets, no one needs to comment that to me, but I've been around those people that because they own those weapons to, you know, keep wolves out of their pig pens or something in, in LA or Burbank. Um, if, if you mess up on assault rifle, call something assault rifle that technically isn't, or don't know the name brand though. Ah, oh, see, you shouldn't be commenting on this. You don't understand it. So those people, and I know some of you used to be friends with some of you, go fuck yourselves. Go fuck yourselves. Because we're done with that kind of conversation. We're here to talk about the weapons that need to be out of the hands of everybody. We're here to talk about that stuff. We're here to talk about those who I used to be around, who used to work with, that absolutely lost their souls over this stuff. And this is, you want to track how I started to change? You wanted to track how Schmoe's News Ken, who used to occasionally throw in some kind of conservative barbs to kind of represent both. I, I want to, re- I'm an independent. I represent both sides. You want to know how that fuckstick, me, I'm calling me the fuckstick, got to where I am now, where I have absolutely stopped communicating with members of my family. I've stopped communicating with old friends. I've cut them off. I've blocked them. I've moved on. You are not in my life anymore. You're not in my life anymore. It started with Sandy Hook, which is what, 2012. So over 10 years of this now. I started to feel this stirring in my soul that uh, maybe the sides and the side I was on wasn't representative of myself. That can go any direction, 
right? You can go, you could be a diehard Democrat. Suddenly you're like, nah, Republican. They used to always say the older you get, the, the more conservative you get. That's not true. Maybe it never was true, but it's definitely not true now for most of the friends I know, most people I have in my life. But there is um, a point in your life where you're like, it's not just how I was raised. It's just how you viewed the world. And I never had a lot of this stuff challenged. It didn't have to be uh, challenged on this. And, and I don't mean that as just a comment on, on privilege or the white male privilege. Or the, I, I'm just saying in general, my life, pretty darn good life. Never had to have any of that challenge. So I could sit there and hold those beliefs. I, I believe in the Second Amendment. I didn't have to look into it anymore. I didn't have to look into a uh, you know an organized militia. I didn't have to compare a musket to an AR-15. I didn't have to do any of that. And by, and, and by the way, I'm not even saying you need to do that. The Constitution is the Constitution. Again, if we want to keep the Queen of England out of our living rooms, let's all get guns. Great. Neat. By the way, some of those same dumb friends, dumb fucking friends of mine used to post that shit. Oh, I'm pissed today. I'm pissed now. When the Ukraine war invasion, which is about a year old, and they started, they, they started posting uh, uh, pictures of, of people in Ukraine throwing, uh, you know, um, Molotov cocktails at tanks. And they're like, oh, see, aren't you glad you have your, your guns now? Go fuck yourself. Because you know that's not what it's, it's not, that's not the equivalent example. Uh, just ridiculous stuff. And this is my point. And this is where I'm going. And this is why I'm pissed. 12 years ago, 11 years ago now, Sandy, Sandy Hook happens. By uh, Columbine, I was watching Columbine live on TV. And I'll say this, by the way, crime is real. Criminals are real. Evil people are real. And we need to do things to stop them. We need to do things to stop crime. And I don't think law enforcement is the only answer for that. I think there's programs and ways to look at the world before that. And that includes the gun control conversation. Mental health. Cool. But, you know, if it ain't the, it's not the gun, the gun doesn't pull the trigger. Great. I actually really agree with that. I 100% agree that the gun didn't wake up, put on its pants and go kill people. That someone did. You don't get to end the conversation there. We need to talk about that. We need to, we need to talk about funding. We need to talk about better training for law enforcement that doesn't involve issues of law enforcement. It involves issues of taking care of the people that they claim to protect and serve. Uh, a, a thing that's on the side of their car that they don't even fucking read anymore. Sandy Hook happened. It's god awful. You all know the details or you know enough of it. And the people around me, people I worked with, many of them with badges, sworn peace officers. The conversation was no one thought it was great, right? No one was like, well, that's all right. No one was, no, everyone was shocked. I'll say that. Everyone was shocked. But then the conversation of how can we stop this or why or what do we do? All of those people around me, their answer was, hey, you can't. You got to keep the gun rights. You got you to protect that right. You got to protect that Second Amendment. It's their belief to have. It's their belief to try to defend. Not even here to take that away from them. I took myself away from them. It just happened over the course of five, six years. If you've lost that kind of uh, ability to just have any sense of reason, if you've, if you've lost that ability to look at a situation in which children were murdered in their school. Teachers desperately trying to protect them. 
if you look at that situation and you don't even want to have the conversation of, huh, what can we do? And you're just like, beep, thoughts and prayers. Uh, but we have certain rights. These are tough times, so therefore you must vote for me to give you to give me more power to put more tough people in front of the crimes in you. Which again, by the way, I think there's a need for law enforcement. Again, I'll say it again. Crimes are real. Criminals are real. Evil is real. But if your thought is, this is horrible. This is not good. This seems to be a rising trend. And you look at the stats, and this is where I wish I had all the stats in front of me. But be careful. The thing is, when you throw some stats out, someone's going to throw you another stat, right? Again, it's like, hey, California has some of the most stringent gun laws. Why do crimes still keep happening? Well, I don't know. Maybe because some guns are smuggled in because we have these dumb fuck states uh, in in the middle part of the country that have loose gun laws. And a lot of the guns uh, get uh, sent out, including one south of the border. Yeah, but then you could also argue with the guns, I think, I, I don't know. I think the Half Moon Bay Monterey Park shootings all had uh, legally owned guns with uh, so-called responsible gun owners. The good guys, right? Gun laws hurt the good guys. Criminals are still going to get guns. The gun laws hurt the good guys. And if your answer is to stop all of it there, I don't want you around anymore. I can't. I can't fathom having a conversation with you. Because you're defending some, some, some parchment in a museum. Uh, something that has been changed. Something that has been looked at. Hell, you, you, you're overlooking some of the stuff uh, over abortion, right? So, so you, you don't mind changing some of your thoughts and rules over time. It just shows that you have lacked the inability, number one, for empathy. Number one, for any understanding of the world. Lack the ability to change, which is the number one sin for me. The inability to look at a situation and go, this changes the way I look at the world. This is changing the way I think about this situation. I can right here. I'm not saying that the Second Amendment should go away, that all guns should be turned in. But I do look around and go, well, the gun that this, uh, uh, and I said I said earlier that I think all the guns were, were legally and owned and, and whatnot in, in, in the shootings. I think one of the Monterey uh, Park weapons was uh, what we cl- – call it newsy but was it's i think that is illegal in pretty much all parts of the world in developed countries except here so you see things like that you see things that during the time of the you know clinton did the federal uh, ban on assault rifles and and, and w outdated and you see that the amount of these kind of mass casualty shooting situations compared to then compared to now Again, I don't have all the stats in front of me, and you can always poke holes in stats and always check your sources. Stats, sure, sure, you can manipulate them. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Neat, contrarian guy. Neat. We're not about that. We're about the emotions today. I'm trying to process how to deal with this every time. You can politic in the state houses. You, You can express it through your votes, but this keeps happening. And one of the reasons it keeps happening is we keep running up to the people, not just the ones who are elected, but the people who you work with, the people who you associate with, the people who you are in your family. We keep running up against these fuckers that just are a brick wall. Well, price of freedom, you see. It's not, look, not all gun owners. These are the same not all men fuck sticks. I don't know. 
I don't like rape, but it's going to happen. I don't love all these mass shootings, but what are you going to do? Take my gun? I didn't do anything. You don't want to change. Forget the empathy side of it. You don't want to change. You don't want to look at yourself and even think for a second, maybe there's a drop-down menu I can go to. Maybe I can look at this from another angle. Maybe I can approach this differently. Maybe the pangs I have inside of my heart about these kids being killed in their school, maybe that might lead to something else. And maybe, just maybe, I can look at a situation differently. Status quo is something I understand because I'm a stubborn cuss. What's comfortable is comfortable, and I like it. What's comfortable is comfortable, and sometimes I need it. Change is scary. You might have to admit some things. You might, it might not work for you. You might change too far. I've had to recalibrate some of my stuff. I've had to recalibrate some of my friendships where I'm like, I, I cut that one off cold and maybe that wasn't the right thing to do. I am going to lead myself on the, on, on the change movement. You, lead, you take care of yourself and then we'll work on the other folks. But when I think of these shootings in the last couple of days, I think of the gun violence everywhere. And of course, and, and you're going to have some contrarian fuck fuck Say, well, in Chicago, go fuck yourself with your Chicago stuff. Do you even understand what's going on there? Do you understand where the guns are coming in from? Just stop that. And even then, even then, what do you want to do about that? What do you want to do about it? What are your answers? There's no problem. So you have a solution, right? What's your solution? Or do you even see it's a problem? I'm tired of running up against those people. I'm tired of people with the inability to pull back and see it and see what's actually there, right? Recently, uh, uh, LAPD police chief, Michael Moore, uh, who I I knew when he was a lieutenant at Wilshire, I'd call him nice enough, don't know him personally, knew a lot of people, knew him personally. Eh, I don't know, as far as I knew a good cop, I don't know. Rises the rank of police chief. To do that, you have to do a certain amount of politicking. He, um, he's made some mistakes, but a police chief's going to make mistakes. He recently uh, uh, instituted a ban of the thin blue line flag slash sim- symbol on police stations, police cars, anything that's like, you know, city, government, federal property, whatever you might say. Um, if you want it on your locker, you want it on your T-shirt, maybe that's different, right? I forget the exact and a lot of people that I used to work with, a lot of people who were my bosses, a lot of people who I love. I love those folks. I love those folks. I spent time with them. They've done heroic things with badges on them. They've done heroic things that you couldn't do listening, that you wouldn't be capable of, that I'm not capable of. They've done some heroic things. But they're so far back from reality. They're so far back. They say, they say, they're so pissed off about this thin blue line flag being forbidden on LAPD cars because they don't get it. They don't see what it actually is. It might have begun as this, hey, support your police officers. Something that I actually uh, understand and I believe in because it's a job uh, in which things happen that you cannot comprehend. It destroys psyches. It destroys souls. All right. I, I, could, go, I could go the other way and have a whole podcast about uh, the rigors of law enforcement and get angry at those who are against it. This is why I do not believe in the abolish police movement or fully in the defund the police and what it means. Uh, rearranging some funds 
working on training and compassion training, ridding police departments of toxic fucks. Yeah, absolutely. But I still think it's an institution that exists for a reason now. Where it came from, what it evolved from, we need to look at that. You always analyze history, always uh, challenge what you were taught about history, but not in that uh, libertarian challenge everything way, but just look at things with some reason. And all these people, I went on my Facebook page, and sometimes I just go on my Facebook page to get fucking pissed, Rich. Just a dirty uh, Roxanne reference. I go on and just look at some people I know or used to know and be like, look at these people. That's not healthy, by the way. Uh, that's a finger back of myself if don't do that. But they were all pissed at this thin blue line flag being removed from police cars and police stations because what had happened is I think so, a, a, a thin blue line symbol was up at a front desk and a, and a citizen went in and was offended, right? And you can make fun of that, right? Everyone's offended these days. Everyone's triggered. Safe space, safe space is great. You're Jim Brewer at an at a, at a anti-COVID uh, vax rally. Great. Good for you. What might have begun as something of, hey, it's a tough job. Uh, we need to maybe support and maybe try to understand those who do the job, which, by, by the way, I'll pause again, is something I believe in. But it has become something else. That flag, that thin blue line across a darkened black, uh, bla uh, usually black and gray American flag, is a symbol that has been co opted, adopted, and now associated with parts of um, society that, quite frankly, are full of shitheads and stand for shithead ideals and are just flat wrong. So if you can't, if you have a thin blue line t-shirt, I don't even care if you're a cop, maybe you're married to one or maybe you just like TV show chips. If you have one of those and you can't look out and go, oh, I don't even know if I align with what this means. I don't know if I believe in this. Maybe I don't wear it. Or maybe I don't display it. Or maybe I have a, a, just a lick of understanding for other people's points of view on this. On January 6th, as I watched the insurrection happen on TV, I was in the uh, old GPA offices. We hadn't gone public with GPA yet. I think maybe we announced that we were kind of finishing up building the studio and finishing the tech side of it. And me, Josh, and Mark Riley, and I believe Ikaika was there. Uh, we, we all just watched it with that kind of confused, I guess horror, but just that confusion of what, what, is, what is this? And then once it started to unfold, what really would have happened and from the, the eclipse on the march down and now we're learning more, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was just a well-organized tour group, uh, you know. I legitimately went to my Facebook page to see which one of my former law enforcement friends, like friends of mine who are in law enforcement or were in law enforcement, who I had been associated with or friendly with, I went to there to see which one of them's which one of them uh, had had gone. I was I had a list of about ten names that I searched because I thought probably with a ninety percent accuracy that they they would have gone, gone there. Now it turns out I'll, I, I, I want to say I was wrong. No one that I know went there. Maybe they couldn't get the time off. Maybe plane tickets are too expensive, hotels booked, or they just didn't go. Or maybe they saw what it was and were there and backed up. But, but I'm not saying that as a joke. It wasn't like, oh, I wonder if so-and-so went. I went, I bet a lot of my police friends are here. 
And those are the people wearing the thin blue line shirts. That's what it's come to represent. It's truly us versus them. Now, I've explained in the past, having worked 17 years in the public safety industry, been involved in some very uh, tough situations, nothing to that degree. I want to make sure I'm clear about that, but I've been in some, some tough situations and, 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 and dealt with the face of crime head on, and dealt with the idea of keeping people safe, not just from crime, but from earthquakes and any other natural disaster or medical emergencies. I've been around that stuff, been in that stuff, made or been involved with hundreds of arrests. I've always said this, your heart gets hardened because I think some of them believe that protect and serve on the seal of their car or believe that your job has something to do with public safety. And then so you go out and do it and, and, and the situation goes wrong and, and people don't understand you. And nowadays people pull out the phone and start taping you. And I remember when that first started happening in my job, I, I asked one of my uh, vice presidents, what are, what are we supposed to do with people taping? He goes, well, just, just do your job right. <laughs> if they tape you and everything you're doing is right and justified and within the rules and regulations of our job, done within reason, done for the safety of those uh, that you work with, yourself and, and the, the people at the, the property you're, you're being hired to protect, you know, everything will, everything will come out in the wash, right? Just do your job right. But along the way, is so your job gets misunderstood by the public constantly. Constantly, right? This is, this is a, a, a dumb example, but I, I, I've told the story before, but one of my first month or two on the job, uh, working uh, public safety at the North Attraction Center, there was a, a, a giant uh, bomb threat. And we had the we had the robot out. The, the LAPD robot came out. Johnny Five is alive. And I was uh, by some uh, police tape keeping people from going, you know, to the bomb. And this guy, older guy, you know, older white guy with his wife, probably not had his question, his authority questioned a lot in his life, uh, came up to me and saw this uh, 22-year-old kid in a security uniform. And I was like, Sorry, sir, you, you can't go into J.C. Penny. And he was so pissed and he, he literally said, but I need to go buy socks. And here I am trying to keep him potentially safe. Turned out, you know, spoiler alert, it wasn't a bomb. It was um, cat litter left in a box and uh, suspicious enough, weird, but someone probably just tossed it there and the uh, LAPD bomb squad blew it up and we're good. Code four, code four, code four. I didn't know that at the time. All we knew is we literally had a bomb squad robot rolling over to a suspicious device that I was kind of in the way of. I wasn't too far away, 50, 60 yards at most. An NFL quarterback could have made a, a, a completion, how close I was. And his, this guy, his husband, his husband and wife, just on a, it was like a Wednesday night going out shopping. And he was so pissed. He was so angry. And he, and he tore me down. And he threw all the insults at me. And tried to push past me. And, and finally, I think some police showed up to back me up. That starts to harden your heart after a time where you wake up with the intention of doing good. And your deeds, even when they are good, are uh, turned against you. Your heart hardens. I, I believe that's the core of uh, a lot of the problem with law enforcement. Your heart hardens, and they aren't, they aren't criminals. They're 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 inhumans. They're they're stats in front of you, and you start to lose your way. So you start to disassociate. That deserves its second so, the study. I told one of my best friends, who I'm uh, hanging on with a thread. We don't talk anymore. 
but I'm hanging on to the notion that, that I need to correct some mistakes and, and, and correct the, the relationship going forward. But I, I can't because of this shit. Because I can't sit across from someone where they don't fucking get it. I, I, I told him once, I said, your lives as police officers and our lives as the public you're supposed to protect and often do, more often than not do, but sometimes don't, it would all be a lot better for all of us if at the end of a briefing, at the end of a shift, you all could hug. You all could just work through what you got going on. Because you all got a lot going on and you'll continue to have a lot going on. And when the public doesn't want you around, when the public doesn't trust you, whether or not you think that that their point of view is valid. I think you should think it's valid. I think you should try to understand why these people are marching in the streets against your very existence and uh, jobs. You should maybe question some of your stuff. Maybe change and evolve. Ooh, there's a thought. But if you can't comprehend that, without a doubt, you're going to look at that thin blue line flag and that little sticker you can put on the back of your four by four fucking fuck nut of a truck. You should be able to look at it and go... I see that as me and my squad mates, shift mates, department mates, circling around to protect each other. I see, and I'm not, by the way, me, Ken, not saying it's like, uh, that's like a uh, bad guys protecting bad guys. I'm just saying you're going to circle around. Cops can usually only be friends with cops. A lot of it's because of the shit they see on the job. I've, uh, on Patreon-only versions of the show, I've gone into some of the details because I do feel the general public needs to know some of the shit that is actually seen on the job. I think I'll say this. A lot of you don't understand. That's why on the freeway, we all slow down for accidents. You, you, the, 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 the rubbernecking is real. TV shows are the cleaned up versions. So that's why cops can usually only associate with cops. And all that has, has come into this, you know, that thin blue line t-shirt is, is an us versus them out of maybe their own psychological survival. But if you can't deal with that or you don't want to deal with the reasons behind that and you can't now understand that that thin blue line flag and the appropriation of the Punisher, a, a comic book character created to um, not support cops. If you can't understand that, media literacy is another conversation. And you can't at least start to adapt to what's going on and you just say, how dare Police Chief Michael Moore make this rule, which is what I saw on this Facebook page. No names. A lot of them former bosses of mine at this old job I had for 17 years. All of them just aghast at this woke police department and this woke police chief, which, by the way, a lot of them knew personally because they, they were all coppers back in the day with them. They all came up the ranks with them. And you always know there's the there's the guys who are out in the field doing the action. I like those guys. Then there are the pencil pushers, uh, the ones who are trying to rise to the ranks. That's usually the folks that get to the top. Not commenting on it, it's just kind of the reality. So there's going to be some animus between them, I, I would guess. But all of them on this Facebook thread, how dare Moore, Mikey Moore is a woke police chief, this department. It's not my department, not the one I was part of anymore. What a sad existence. What a sad existence when you look at the changing tides of the world, which always repeat, and you don't want to do anything about it. And you don't want to find your place in that change. I keep saying that. Do not fight change. Find your place in change. Because the change is going to happen, and we're going to leave you all behind. And that's a scary feeling, and that puts you on shaky ground. And you don't want to face that. I get it. You don't want to face it. 
I think I did that for a long time too. Not just in political stuff, but pushing the boundaries. Comedy, stand-up comedy, particularly in the mid-2000s, was a what envelope can you push kind of thing. No one stopped to think why. No one stopped to analyze the consequences. We just did it. We did it because we could get away with it. I'm not just talking about white comics. I'm just talking comics. And it's not even about saying the N-word or racial jokes. So how disgusting could you be? How detailed could you get on a poop joke? Uh, how detailed could your joke about a period get? I, all of it. Comedy in the 2000s was like that. I remember when that started to be questioned. There started to be pushback. I think I wanted to be one of those, no, comics, we're here to do that. Until I asked myself why. What are we there for? Now, I still do think comedy and comics have the ability to, to, to question some things. That's what comedy is kind of built on. That's why you're seeing a lot of comics these days from all age groups and all generations uh, fighting uh, vaccines, fighting uh, Fauci or COVID or fighting Biden or all that. So you've seen a lot of comics go that way because they're, they're, we're naturally trained to find the truth, to fight the powers and find the truth. And again, uh, you know, find all the truth you want. But if you start asking yourself, why? Why am I holding on to this? Why am I holding on to this word or joke I want to say? Why am I holding on to this logo that some have now deemed to be tremendously problematic and tied to dangerous, dangerous groups and even more dangerous rhetoric that has, we have the results that it has affected the world. Whether you want to look at January 6th or that politician in uh, Albuquerque who lost elections two to one, I think it was the was the the rate that he lost it at and blamed it on uh, elections being rigged, um, Republican, and uh, try to have four Democrats uh, killed, shot. He's arrested in Albuquerque. If, if, if you can't understand that the thin blue line flag might not mean that and might not mean that to you, but it means it to other people and you can't stop to question it. You can't understand why that on government property is a bad thing. Wear it on your shirt all the time because that, that is your right. I believe in that. If you want to tweet out a thin blue line flag, tweet it out. It's yours. But if Twitter comes around and says, now they won't. But if Twitter comes around as a, as a company and says not on our platform, they have that right. I don't want to get to the first. We're dealing with the Second Amendment today, not the First Amendment. If you can't see that or you can't turn on the news and see that 10, then 11 with one dying later and the shooter are dead in Monterey Park. The shooter killed at the Delamo Mall, a mall I'm slightly familiar with in Torrance. And by the way, good job on the SWAT team, torn SWAT team, uh, I think Sheriff's SWAT team, whoever, 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 whatever agency SWAT team got there, great job on it. But he shot himself in the car. If you can't look at that, you can't look at Half Moon Bay. Or God forbid you can't look at the next Sandy Hook because it will happen again. And you can't say, well, my belief and my right to bear arms might mean something to me, but it's starting to mean horrible things to other people and has been for a while. You can't even question it. If you can't even stop and look at yourself for a second of what am I saying? What am I believing in? What am I doing? I've got nothing for you anymore. And a lot of us don't have anything for you anymore. 
You want to have a nuanced conversation about gun control? Background checks, blah, 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 da, 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 da. We're, we need to have that. This only gets solved with that. Because again, an individual owning a weapon is not to me the, oh, that's definitely a bad thing. No. Like I said, I don't own one. Probably not going to own one. Um, I, think my, I don't think my fiance wants us to own one. I know a lot of people that do, that just have one. And some collect them. By the way, I've, I've gone and shot guns at a gun range. I suggest, I suggest people do that so you actually maybe understand it. I really do. I, I, I want those kind of conversations. We only solve this if we all come together. And that does involve a little bit of compromise. But compromise, the word compromise and the word nuance cannot hide and cannot cover the end of the line difference about empathy, the ability to change, and things that are there that are better for those who are not you and those who are maybe underneath you. That's what I think about now when I see the shootings. I think I grieve, sad, horrified. I have a little bit different, I'll, I'll say this, I have a little bit different view on crime when you, when you are surrounded in that world. And this is I think, another thing people don't understand about law enforcement types. The horrible things you see, or in my case, some of the maybe the tough situations I dealt with and a lot of the things I heard, those kind of crimes aren't, the heinous crimes sometimes don't affect you in the same way other people do. You might cry, I might look at it and go, yeah, that sucks. Don't judge anyone on that. Don't judge any law enforcement officer on that. They just process it differently. They have to. They have to. Oh, if I could just get into the psychology of, of being a, a, in law enforcement and how we need to help uh, and uh, improve. Um, we need to improve how to help them on the job. We really do. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about when, when they have to shoot somebody. I'm not talking about sex crimes detectives. I'm talking about uh, murder detectives. They, they are dealing with and having to, to try to process things that would break most minds. So we need to have all these conversations. We need to move forward. We need to change. We need to realize that a musket in, in, in 1776 is not the same as an AR-15 in 2023. It, 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 obviously, right? Obviously. We need to have those conversations, but we can't have those conversations if you're holding on to something that once meant something and means something currently to you, but represents absolute heartbreak, pain, and evil to others. That's what I think of now when seven people lay dead in Half Moon Bay, when, when 11 people lay dead in Monterey Park. That's what I think of now. I'm not done. I'm going to take a break. If you're watching the video side, a nice card will show up promoting the Lost Threads, a blathering follow-up show on my Patreon page. Uh, but if you're listening, we've got a little commercial break. And I'm going to gather my thoughts and figure out what's going on in my brain next. It's the blathering here on the Napsock Network. <laughs> All right, I've, I've, gathered, I've, gathered, I've gathered my thoughts. Live to tape, children. Live to tape. I myself have been uh, battling um, depression a lot lately. Again, I've mentioned that on the previous episodes. And I don't... Part of the joy of doing the blathering is I don't have detailed notes of everything I say. So yeah, there's repeated stories and just where my mind is. 
So I'm trying to I'm trying to push through that like all of you there. And I want I want to I want to acknowledge those not by name, but there's been a few people that have reached out to me since I, I took the blathering public. Um, some of you have been reaching out for years on the Patreon page and just um, sharing very nice heartfelt messages of of first of all th- thanking me for maybe being open and honest about it. And and by the way, I love that. I need that. I need to hear that. I think we all need to hear that kind of stuff. I can play the humble game as good as anyone until I take myself and hammer myself into the ground until I'm nothing. I can humble myself until I wipe my soul away and float away in the wind. I can humble myself until I am no more. Uh, Meaning, um, sometimes you just have to realize that something you've done is good or something you are doing is helping. And if you take the time to write me and say thank you, I'm just talking about my life as a comic and a podcaster. You might be something else. Most of you are something else. I love that. But I don't love it in a print it out and put it on the fridge. A plus for me. I love that in I need to hear it to keep going. Just as much as you might need to hear some fuck like me share his dark feelings so that you can realize you're not alone. It's pretty simple. We all go through it, right? We all go through it. Uh, We are not prepared to deal with it. I love the more open conversations about mental health, those that have been happening uh, in the last five, six years. It wasn't as present in stand-up comedy. Uh, It wasn't as present in the digital media world when I started. Um, I was pretty open and honest from it from the start. Not saying that for any credit, but just saying that's where I was. Um, But I'm glad the tide has, has shifted and that people own it. I, I, I do worry sometimes that, that, you know, the label of what you are can, can, can open up a lot of truth. What you are can, can bring you freedom. We just talked about this on Force Center on a recent episode of the, t- of the TV show Bad Batch, the Star Wars animated show Bad Batch. Uh, Joseph Scrimshaw, as he always does, who's one of the most insightful human beings I've ever been around or worked with. Uh, pointed out that that one of the big episodes in the theme of the episode Faster, which is this cool hip uh, racing game episode, uh, the character of Tech, who is of a certain way, um, slightly portrayed as as maybe neurodivergent on the show, but I, I definitely don't want to. No one's claiming that on the show, but it comes across that, and and he's got a very particular set of skills, and the skills, even though he's a great warrior as a clone trooper, he's he's not considered that. He's, his skills are on the tech side, on the planning side. His nickname's Tech. And he uh, goes on to succeed, and and Joseph made this great point of of you know what he is, his skills, uh, which can often be used against you, could box you on, actually provided freedom. It, it allowed him to be who he's supposed to be. I thought that was a powerful way to look at that episode. Um, by the way, you can go find uh, that episode on Force Center if you want to dig in deeper, or you can go to the dumb Star Wars shows that are out there where they just say, ah, Bad Batch is a chore to watch, and I fell asleep with in the background. You, either way, you choose how you want to engage with it. Am I an asshole? I'm an asshole. But um, I think there's great power in knowing this is what is going on with me. This is what I suffer. For me, it's uh, depression at times over the years, straight up good old classic suicidal depression. And there's great freedom to me in identifying that and knowing that and working to improve that if you have the means. It's not always easy. Again, this is the push for a better mental health, 
better access to mental health uh, uh, help. Um, is, is that's why it's an important part of the conversation because not everyone's blessed with that chance. Sometimes it's just you and you alone, and that, that's a dangerous spot to be in. So if I uh, and my blatherings can help in any way, shape, or form, by all means, write me and we'll talk some more. Um, but I, I sometimes I think there's a danger of of holding on to what you are, right? And to the point where it can hurt you, where it can destroy you, it can really affect you. I and I, I say I because it's easier, it's better to to look at myself here and not make sure I'm not pointing fingers in or, in or in anyone else because it, it's a dangerous thin line, not a thin blue line. I won't have that flag, but it's a dangerous line. My case in point, um, I think it is. I think it is the the great director Rob Ryder uh, when talking. I think mostly about uh, when Harry met Sally, one of my favorite films, and Billy Crystal's character of Harry Burns. Depressive character, you know, he, he's so depressed, he, 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 he reads the, when he starts a book, he reads the last page first so he knows how it ends in case he dies, right? There, there's, there's, there's a lot of great humor in that movie around that, but Rob Reiner, talking about the script uh, from Nora Ephron and how Rob brought himself into it of just like, hey, you know, sometimes, I, I, remember, I remember hearing this from, from Rob Reiner, I, I can't point to the exact interview, but him saying, um, Sometimes I, you know, depression, I miss it. It's like a friend, right? And I remember hearing that and, and, and it's so true for me. I battle that d- d- depression. It, it's, a, it's a comfort blanket. Uh, you know, everyone likes a rainy day every now and then where it's kind of cold outside. You get a little somber and reflective and you get a little in your feelings and you put on some sweatpants, slippers, and a blankie, maybe pour a, a fine beverage. And uh, it feels good in a way. And depression at times can start to feel good. It feels like normal. It feels like the normal thing. It's how you function. I'm kind of a person like I, I, you know, when it comes to deadlines, getting stuff done, I sometimes need to have those deadlines being an hour and then I'll finally get it done. And I just know that's what's going to happen, right? I could work to be better than that, but I just know. And that's okay. Deadlines are a motivator for me. But also knowing and being open and honest about I battled depression, I'm a depressive person. Uh, I sound and seem to go towards the negative before the positive, um, which is generally true, but also I think misunderstood on my part just to defend myself. Sometimes I think there's great comedy in the grumpy side, and sometimes I just play into that a little bit more than I should. Gave the wrong impression for years. But in saying, hey, that's what I am, it became so a part of my daily existence that I was afraid to let that go. I remember after doing uh, four years of therapy towards, I felt towards the end that this session of, of not just this session, but that this section and session of my life was coming to an end where, where I, um, I don't think I needed the therapy anymore. Right. And you can always go back and you always can revisit it and you should blah, blah, blah. But I remember it was about a four year period. I just remember towards the end, it was like, yeah, these, these sessions are more of a hangout than they are productive. Uh, I had, uh, Recognized some things, learned a lot of things, uh, forgiven myself for a lot of things, forgiven others for a lot of things. Um, and I think I was, okay, I have the tools now to combat this. Flash forward now, I, I think I have the tools to combat depression still. I deal with it differently than I did back then. Um, but I remember being sad. I remember being confused. I remember being afraid taking that step. I, I've always said this, the phrase, the new normal is 
has emerged for me and this, this approached is kind of reached a zenith, I should say, is the words I want to say uh, during the pandemic and the lockdown, the beginning pa- phases of the lockdown, where a lot of people fought against that this is the new normal. Now, I understand that from a certain degree. We shouldn't just let this bad situation stay here. Oh, hey, some of my earlier points, right? Maybe we can find the new normal about gun control. Ooh, go with me here. But the new normal of, oh, we might be in masks, we might be sh- getting shots, uh, vaccines, blah, 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 blah. If you fought against that with a, such a vigor um, that it became your identity, they refused to accept the new normal, they refused to do things like wear masks that aren't about you but about the other people in the room. If you refuse to move forward, you're a danger. You're a danger. Danger to society, danger to yourself. And so it is with a lot of the conversations uh, about mental health. And once you identify what's going on, and again, some things are there forever. Depression is there forever for me. But I can tell you, I can, I can assure you, I held on to it a lot longer than I should have because I wore it as a shield. I am this way. So therefore, all my actions are kind of justified in my brain because that's who I am. I, I am depressive. I didn't want to find the new normal. I did not want to find myself outside of the the bounds of that big uh, D word with a capital D. Phone calls are coming in live on air. I can't answer them here. Um, so, yeah. Um, in typical blathering fact, uh, blathering style, I, I've, I've talked myself into a corner. All that to say, I want to get back to what this segment started. I... I, I I thank you all for reaching out. I thank you all for being open and honest. This is what I hope is the start of a journey of um, getting back to some uh, broadcasting roots uh, of myself and then um, uh, moving us all along. Let's all find the new normal together. Let's all find the tools to help each other. Let's all look at ways to change. Let's all look at the world and look at others first and us second. But protect yourself, keep yourself safe and have some fun. I promise if you've gotten to the end of this long, rather long episode, I promise at some point we're going to have a blathering episode that's just going to be so damn silly. You won't know what to do with yourself. <sighs> I'm sorry if I've offended anyone in this episode. By sorry, I mean look in the mirror and figure your shit out. See you on the blathering. Bye.